0: Welcome to Undressed with me, Katie Moore. I marry the dirty with the divine to educate and empower vulva owners from across the world to come home to their bodies and reclaim the power of soulful sexuality. This is the space where we will spill the taboo tea on all things pleasure, intimacy, sex, healing, and absolutely everything in between. It is through this podcast that you will start to unapologetically live an embodied, empowered, and erotic life. Oh, and the title speaks for itself. We will, of course, in the spirit of things, be naked. <laughs> and with that, let's begin. welcome to undressed with me katie moore today on undressed i am joined by australia's leading men's sex expert cam Fraser. cam is a sex coach as well as a certified sexologist counselor yoga teacher and workshop facilitator welcome (laughs) thanks thanks so much
1: for having me i'm excited
0: i was gonna go on and i was like actually i think that's enough
1: (laughs) that's pretty good we can stop there how are you, my love? How are you doing today? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. I was just saying um, before we jumped on that it's been a long day. Um, I feel really uh, full um, yeah, energetically, but also like in terms of love, I've just spent the last 48 hours with my brother and he and I have a really lovely relationship and it's been so nice to see him. Uh, I haven't seen him for um, yeah about a year, maybe two years because of the areas of Australia that we live. So it's been really nice to yeah to reconnect
0: Mm, thank you so much for being here honestly it just feels like a little surreal (laughs) (laughs) the wonders of the internet right
1: i know it's so amazing that we can do you know things Mm. like this and um i recognize your your pretty busy so i'm i'm grateful for you using your platform to to have a conversation with me as well i'm just as Uh, just as humbled and grateful
0: (laughs) thank you yeah i mean i was in the shower where all of my ideas come and occasionally myself but not that morning um (laughs) and i was thinking like okay like where is this going what is it that i want to use this platform for this is really about like uncensored conversation like spilling the taboo tea and I was like, you, like Cam Fraser, like that is exactly who we need in this space. So yeah, it's- That's really lovely. That, yeah, such a pleasure to have you. <laughs>
1: no, I'm excited. And um, yeah, I'm keen to, to see where this goes as well. I, I can keep it pretty pretty light and conversational, but I can also go pretty deep if needed. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm keen to, to dive in.
0: Fuck it, let's just go all in. <laughs> <laughs> no holding back. <laughs> so I would love to know really like from the beginning, like, what was your relationship to your body and, in turn, your sexuality growing up?
1: Um, I guess like, I think I've shared this before, but my like my my first memory that I have of like exploring my body sexually was um, at a sleepover, actually. Um, with I must have been about, I would say like twelve. Um, and you know, I, I've spoken to a lot of men. Uh, and women, I mean, people in general, uh, but a lot of men because of the work that I do. And some of them share like, they were really exploratory, quite young, maybe like four or five, they've got first memories. And so I I don't know if I just have a terrible memory and that there was something around that age. I presume there probably was. Um, You know, becoming a new dad now, I noticed that in my son, who's like almost two, he's like touching his body and exploring his body. So like, I presume there was probably stuff before that, but like the, the first thing that sticks out to my my memory is um, yeah, like this 11 or 12 year old uh, at a, at a sleepover um, with my mates so all young, young boys. um, But I remember like touching my body in that space uh, and it was um, so I'm, I guess I can share this. I'm fully naked right now. So I'm, you know, (laughs) I can look um, and confirm this for you, but I'm, I'm not circumcised. And so like my, so I think the reason why this memory sticks out to me when I think back to it is because it was the first time that I fully retracted my foreskin. And so mm-hmm. for people that you know have a penis and their penis isn't circumcised, that's like a uh, a thing that you have to do at a certain point in your life if it's not forcibly retracted before then by a parent or a or a GP. Um and so it was like like it was very it was pleasurable, right? Like that was the that, I think that's right the reason why it like really sticks out to me in my memories because it was like a really intensely pleasurable experience like have the my glands like the head of my penis exposed for the first time to stimulation Mm -hmm. and so it was like this really like um yeah momentous occasion in my you know young budding sexual experience of my body uh and so that i mean and then it was just like you know all you know it was all hands on deck after that because it was just like that was masturbation was right yeah it was just like and so i and so I remember being i remember being just like very as a young you know uh young boys a like teen um just being like you know interested and in, and i wouldn't say obsessed but like as any was most i would say teenage boys are it's just like i got to find time to masturbate that's just like something that is a priority now in my life you know as a teen boy um and so there was um but there, was, there was not really any conversations about it with my parents. So I remember like, even though I enjoyed it, it wasn't something that I was like, it wasn't celebrated. It wasn't celebratory. There was still shame there. Um, and so like, I remember, I mean, I don't know, this is probably a common story for other, you know, teen boys, but like I, I you know, was walked in on by my parents at one stage, um, late at nights here in Australia, they're like, TVs sync up, you know, this is back in the, the early two thousands, I suppose. So like, you know, you know, be able to like watch, you know, late night SBS is the channel here in Australia with like, um, you know, softcore porn on it essentially. Mm-hmm. Right. And so like these foreign French, you know, Spanish movies with subtitles and very, it was erotica. And, and so I remember like watching that and I, I remember having my, uh, my dad walked in on me one day, um, late at night you know just masturbating to this beautiful french film um which is you know uh, <laughs> as you do uh but then i I, so I and i never really had a talk after that my you know my mm-hmm. dad tried to have a talk with me and i was like dad don't i get this all at school you know i must have been about 13 14 and he just took me at my word as if we were talking about that at school which we obviously weren't because mm. the sex education at that time was terrible and still kind of is in parts of australia so mm. um so it was, it was this, um, yeah, this thing that I kind of like, it was like known that I was doing, and I had a younger brother as well. And so like, you know, um, we like knew that we were masturbating and it was just like this thing that you just didn't speak about in the house, you know? And so like, even though, so I kind of echo what I said before, even though I was, you know, enjoying it and I had, you know, kind of a relationship with my body in that sense, there was still like shame, Guilt, fear of being walked in on again. So, all these other things wrapped up in this experience of like, oh, this feels good, but you know, is it wrong that I'm doing this, right? Or no one's right, kind of like said, here's how to do it, or here's like why it feels good, or any of that sort of stuff. It was just like very still stigmatized and taboo. And so, I remember like going, you know, beyond that, I I left um, home when I was 17. Um, and I traveled to, uh, America and in that time I'd had like a girlfriend, uh, for a couple of years, uh, in high school. And, and, um, and so like my, my, my relationship with my body shifted, I suppose, from the age of like 17 to 20, because, um, I seriously injured my back, actually fractured my lower spine. Um, and it was like, and I was, I was a student athlete as well. So the reason why I went to America was to, to play sport. And so my like scholarship and my, my career, essentially my schooling was dependent upon me being fit enough to maintain my scholarship. And so there was a lot of anxiety and stress, um, and like tension, not only mentally, but physically about like my body performing. Right. Um, and, and performing in a very real sense of like, I was had to you know, be an athlete. I was, I was a soccer player, a football player. Um, so that was my my choice of sport, the only sport I'd ever been really good enough at to actually do anything with, um, and and so I had this relationship with my body where I, I felt broken because of my my back was literally broken. Um, I felt a lot of like yeah performance anxiety in a sense, right, of like not playing well enough or not being fit enough or comparing myself to the other guys that were around me who were all other athletes and very much part of that locker room culture, um, where we would, you know, the, the conversations we had about our own bodies were very performance oriented. And and the way that we talked about other people's bodies as well was a lot of shame and a lot of, I mean, it was pretty misogynistic the way we talk about women's bodies and things like that, you know, as, as you know, late teens, early twenties, um, guys. Uh, and so like, that was my kind of relationship with my body at at that time, but through my injury, specifically through rehabilitation of my injury, my relationship with my body shifted again. So I was introduced to like clinical Pilates and then through my Pilates instructor, I was introduced to yoga. And then through my yoga instructor, I was introduced to like massage and breath work and meditation and all these other really beautiful healing modalities in a sense. Uh, And I started to like, you know, I I remember vividly um, classes that I'd go to pilates and yoga where i'd be trying to hold a particular posture you know i was trying to hold this pose uh, but i couldn't because my back was so sore and i'd either like burst out into tears or i would um get like frustrated angry and then just like rageful about a certain posture that i was trying to hold and um you know all these so all these emotions are coming up you know like that i'd not really allowed myself to feel for you know my teen years, cause that's not what you do as a guy, especially as a, as an Australian guy in an American context, you know, um, as part of a, you know, locker room. Uh, and so there was like all this stuff that was bubbling up to the surface. And I now looking back, realize, you know, I was releasing all of this tension in my body, you know, this physiological tension that I was holding onto this muscular tension, um, which is where we store emotions, particularly around the hips and the lower back. So I was starting to release all that and all of it was bubbling up to the surface and I didn't have any tools to process it. So I actually went to counseling and this is kind of like what led me to do the work that I'm doing today um, is is kind of like heading that direction. But in terms of my relationship with my body, um, you know, I learned how to breathe. You know, I learned how to like breathe down into my diaphragm, down into my belly, to have a relaxed belly, to not have to worry about having washboard abs, you know, as a guy anymore. Um, You know, I'd I'd been bullied in in high school for having a belly um, even though I wasn't overweight at all. Um, I just didn't have a six pack. Uh, And so I had like this relationship with my body changed in the sense of like, I slowed down, I softened, I was able to relax, I was able to breathe. uh, And like that shifted the way that I experienced pleasure, for example. Like, you know, I Mm -hmm. I talked about being quite anxious about my performance in a sporting sense, but that also manifested as performance anxiety in a sexual sense as well. I was very Mm -hmm anxious about um, getting an erection about lasting long uh, about sex being good uh, and counterintuitively because of all that anxiety the sex that I had was very terrible uh, and my approach to sex was all uh, quantity over quality because I was you know that type of masculinity and mentality in that locker room um, and that was what I was perpetuating as a young man uh, and so I I coped by drinking a lot of alcohol you know, my, my I was probably a few, period of four years where every sexual experience I had was under the influence. Um, and you know, that was my, my time at college. And so like my relationship with my body in that sense was pretty toxic and, and unhelpful and unhealthy. Uh, and so through the rehabilitation and the recovery, um, that started to shift for me as well. So I started to, you know, explore pleasure and sexuality in, in new ways with, myself but also with like the young women I was being sexual with as well um I felt a lot more confident in who I was as as a person because I was doing counseling and things like that as well so I you know I was letting go of all these ideas of what it meant to be a man what it meant to be a sexual man what it meant to be masculine all this sort of other shit that i had been holding on to um but yeah physically speaking it was um yeah really transformative in terms of like how I was able to to connect not only to myself and my own experience of pleasure but also like be present for the experience that my partner was having and and you know tuning into the sensations and actually pay, paying attention to what I was feeling as opposed to like shoving it aside and and not allowing myself to feel so and then it shifted again over the last couple of years because I've been a dad things have moved and I'm you know in my late 20s now and so it's um yeah it's been a been a wild wild ride but um yeah. I feel like I'm just rambling now. So hopefully there's another question that I can answer. But yeah, that's kind of it.
0: <laughs> I love it. Just go. Like just all in. It's all good. <laughs> what is your you mentioned about like your relationship to pleasure and how that changed? Like how was your relationship to pleasure? Because I also feel sorry. I was gonna no, say No, no, go ahead. I was gonna say that pleasure and gratification are two different things. And for example, when I was younger, I would, you know, self-pleasure. I didn't have an orgasm in in sex for a long, long time. I mean, I was completely disconnected and massively, I I relate to you saying about performance, but for me, sex was just a performance. Sex was just about, um, you know, my lovers or playmates experience their ego, their pleasure, everything over mine. And I didn't even know what turned me on or what turned me off. I had absolutely no idea because I was so disconnected from from on many levels from who I was, but also from my body. And I was so numb in my vagina, like completely numb. I had no sensation whatsoever. Mm. And it's just got to a point where it was like I learned sex from porn and it came about where in relation to others it felt like we were just coming together two people who were just performing it wasn't real it wasn't empowered it wasn't authentic because neither of us knew who we were so how could we possibly expect the other person to know Leading on to my question about the pleasure.
1: Sorry, <laughs> now I went no, on a tangent. <laughs> no, I, I love what you said right at the start of that share, which was um, gratification and pleasure feel different mm. to you. And that's something I try and make a distinction about all the time when I talk about um, self-pleasure versus masturbation. And um, you know, I often say that that men, you know, I, I work with cishet men and that's uh, my lived experience as well. And so this, this is true for me is that we're very good at, sexual gratification we're not very good at sexual pleasure in fact we're not very good at pleasure in general um I you know this is an, an aside but I see a lot of like men's coaches for example um who demonize pleasure who say that pleasure makes you weak and effeminate and you don't need, pleasure as a man because you need to be hustling and grinding and you know working and achieving things and pleasure is a waste of time essentially in that mindset and i have subscribed to that mindset you know i definitely was like you know masturbation is just like i've got an end goal and that's like what i'm trying to achieve and sex is the same i've got a end goal whether it's penetration ejaculation orgasm whatever it might be like it has to look a certain way and if it doesn't then it was unsuccessful sex, or it was uh, sex that that didn't produce anything or didn't achieve anything. Um, and the gratification wasn't there. Um, so yeah, I, I'm a big believer in, in um, defining gratification and pleasure, or at least distinguishing between the two, because this is, again, this is another aside. Uh, but what I have said that has got me in trouble when I didn't elaborate on gratification and pleasure is that um, I said that men, prioritize women's pleasure more than their own. Now on its surface, I know that sounds like a ridiculous thing to say, given the orgasm gap and the way that, you know, sex has been framed for a long time, but that's the reason why I'd say that is there's two caveats to this is men are really good at gratification, which is what I shared before. And oftentimes the pleasure that they think their female partner is experiencing is faked or is feigned pleasure. It's not actually genuine pleasure. And so like, the approach that a lot of guys have to sex is like, well, I can just have like this five-second sticky white crotch sneeze. That's all I'm available that's all available to me. Like that there's nothing. It's just gratification, just a little squirt of dopamine. That's the way a lot of guys frame their sexual experience. It's like not, you know, a lot of guys aren't talking about like how intense pleasure they're experiencing in their body or or like how deep and and intimate they feel in their body and what sensations they feel in their chest. It's just like, yeah, man, I busted the biggest nut. You know, I came so you know so hard or whatever. It's just very minimising of their own experience, physically speaking. Um, but what they then do is then they like project and overemphasise their female partner's experience. And I've been a you know I've been a guy in these locker rooms. I I know how a lot of guys talk about the sex they're having and the way they portray their partner's experience of like yeah she you know you know, came this many times, right? I made her come this many times, or, you know, she was th- this loud, you know, she had uh, whatever, her legs were shaking, whatever. The way that guys talk about their female partner's experiences is like really overemphasizing and laying on like her quote unquote pleasure. And so a lot of guys like frame women's pleasure as like this, and I would say like their perceived women's pleasure, probably not their genuine authentic experience of pleasure as more important than their own, but they emphasize their own gratification above that. Uh, so there's like this weird um, approach that guys have to sex and and again, wrapped up in that is a whole bunch of other things like a lot of women not feeling comfortable enough to speak up about their own experience, maybe similar to what you shared beautifully before is maybe they are not actually tuned in to what it is that they feel and don't know what turns them on. So can't communicate about it because they don't have that information. A lot of guys aren't asking in the first place as well. They aren't taking ownership of like, you know, what do you like, what are you into? They're just kind of going through the motions because of what they've seen in porn and what their mates tell them. Um, And I say all this from a lived experience. I've done that, I've approached sex that way. And it's no wonder sex is terrible for a lot of people because that's the script that we run. And so I was very lucky in a sense to have an injury that put me out of commission, so to speak. Uh, and forced me to pay attention to my body and forced me to learn how to breathe and forced me to learn how to like experience the sensations in my body and really listen to them. Cause I, you know, I know, you know, I was in pain. And so like, I noticed the pain in my body. Um, and so like, by virtue of doing that, I started to notice other things in my body, I started to notice pleasure in my body. I started to notice when there wasn't pain and when there was some openness and some spaciousness and I was able to sense, you know, other things. Um, and that wasn't an overnight, experience as well. I definitely don't want to give that impression. It's it's still going today, you know, still learning all the nuances and intricacies of of pleasure and and other sensations. But, um, I feel like I've gone on a, a massive tangent here, but I'll circle back, um, to that, that experience of gratification was definitely something that I, I adhered to and like masturbation and sex were like, okay, I've got to, I've got to get this end goal, this end product. Um, I was yeah masturbating to porn a lot, um, watching a lot of porn. Um, my relationship with porn has been an interesting one because I never really was into hardcore porn. So I, I know the I know the like story of like yeah I learned about sex from porn and I guess like I did as well in a sense, but I was never really into um, mainstream porn. It kind of never really did it to me. So in terms of like, this is just a reflection on what you shared as well. It's like not knowing what turned you on. I kind of like, I knew what turned me on visually and like psychologically, like what I was into, because I had like really gone down porn rabbit holes and explored all this like really hectic shit that's out there. Um, Some of it's amazing and wild and wacky and some of it's just like a little bit depraved and probably not super beneficial, Um, but I'd like done a lot of that exploration. So I kind of like knew what my psychological triggers were, like what I was kind of really into. Um, in terms of like scenes and and things like that, but I definitely didn't know what I was into in terms of like the physical experiences in my body. Like I didn't, I couldn't, you know, if someone asked me at that time in my life, I couldn't tell them, yeah, I like it when you touch me in this particular way with this particular speed and this particular pressure, that was information that I didn't have. Um, but I definitely knew like I was into this particular experience that really turned me on when I saw it. So I'd love to try and do that particular thing. Um, So, yeah, that was just an interesting reflection that I had when you shared that because I was like, oh, that's – I get it, but that's also not – that wasn't my experience Mm -hmm. as well. Um, Yeah, I'll stop there so we can speak about more things.
0: No, not at all. It's so interesting to hear because I love it when we were able to have these conversations because for me, I mean, I – First started touching myself with self-pleasuring from like a really young age probably like four or five like that's when I first just start like started to discover my body and similarly to you it's like the connotation that is attached I mean this is before the whole of the conditioning and society but around that there's like this shame that's attached to it so when I self-pleasure it feels good but I instantly feel shame after so that's just how I grew up with these two these two um energies these sensations these feelings in my body that just went hand in hand and sometimes I denied myself pleasure because I just couldn't deal with the shame. I just didn't want to feel the shame but for Mm -hmm. me I started watching porn like very very young I mean I said it before in a previous episode like I had dial up internet like it's fucking retro the porn that I was watching like so (laughs) long ago (laughs) yeah and um And I I would spend, like, I remember it was the summer holidays, and I would spend days, days and days and days watching porn, porn clip after porn clip, like, literally seven, eight hours a day. Like, Mm. and that's just where I learned and, like, touching myself and exploring it. But obviously, I think there's this innocence, there's this quality that when you're, of course, there's, like, this slight shame and, around it but it's slightly different you were saying about like how your son and he kind of like explores himself and I feel like that's what we're really missing when we start to grow up is like this innocence around sexuality and that actually it's it's this beautiful intimate act like intimacy into me I see and you get to spend time with yourself exploring your body how does this feel how does that feel and taking away that there needs to be a destination. There needs to be an orgasm. There needs to be a goal of some kind. Like how can we bring it back to basics where we're able just to explore our bodies or one another's bodies simply for the fucking pleasure of it. And that's it.
1: Mm, Yeah. I definitely resonate with that. Now, if you, I think if you'd said that to me like 10 years ago, I'd be like, what are you talking about? (laughs) Um, But my, my approach today is very much like that. It's like, um, pleasure for pleasure's sake, as opposed to like, you know, Mm. masturbating because I need to ejaculate. Um, And so like through my exploration of like taking time away from ejaculating, you know, experimenting with semen retention and, you know, going down that path um, and then coming back to what my practice is today, which is a conscious (laughs) ejaculation practice um, or like going down the route of abstaining from, from any, Sexual stimulation at all, and noticing like, well, where else do I find pleasure in my life? And I, you know, mm-hmm. I really enjoy going for a walk through the woods, and I, I love taking my shoes off and noticing like the sensation of, um, you know, the the gravel that changes into the mulch, uh, which changes into like the leaves on the floor, and and noticing like those changes in sensations. So, um, you know, there's there's practices and and tools out there that I, you know, came across because I was really interested in psychology and sexuality and counseling and things like that. And, uh, and, and, you know, not only that, but like yoga and spirituality. And so there was these really beautiful, um, yeah, practices that I was like, Oh, I'm going to implement that. And by doing it, it, you know, invited me to see what else there was out there. And, and so I, I, this is a suggestion I still give to people today is like, t- especially to, to, to men, I suppose that's my work. Um, I suggest to them, like take some time, um, away from ejaculation, for example. That's the first suggestion I have is like, you can still have sex, still masturbate, but just take two weeks away from ejaculating. Just don't ejaculate for two weeks. Just notice what else there is. Because when you kind of intentionally, consciously take that off the table, it invites you to go, well, okay, that's the, the goal kind of taken away. What do I do now? You know, how when does when does sex finish? If I don't ejaculate, then when does when when do we roll over and go to sleep? You know, like it um it's a it's a yeah, it's an invitation to like explore what else is on the table when you intentionally take that one thing off the table. Same thing with like taking two weeks away from masturbating. If you masturbate, you know, every couple of days or if you even if you you're with a partner and, and you know, you make the agreement, like, hey, let's Know, intentionally not be sexual with each other, but let's be sensual with each other instead. Like let's take penetration off the table, um, for the next two weeks, really intentionally. What does being intimate with each other look like when we don't have penetrative sex? Um, so like really mindfully taking things away can be really helpful to see what else there is on your, mm-hmm. like in, in the small sport of things that are available to you. Um, I, that's the practice that I've been, been, um, a big proponent for, for the last several years. Uh, but yeah, there's, um, I mean, there's heaps. I, I, I can rant all day um, about Please those types of practices, but, <laughs> but that's, my, that's my invitation to people listening is like, you know, um, it's like explore, explore. And, and you know, I often say curiosity is the cornerstone of our sexuality, or at least my mm-hmm. opinion is that it should be. Um, and so like I've really st- like intentionally for my life, tried to cultivate curiosity and I'll tell whoever listens as well to be curious about their own bodies, to be curious about their mm-hmm. partner's bodies. Um, you know, and extend that curiosity to, to, um, not just their sexual selves, but like their selves in general. Um, mm. but yeah, it's a, it's, it's a, it's and it, the beauty of it is like, it's a lifelong practice as well. Right. Cause mm. your sexuality and your body changes your whole life. You know, like the, I often, I work with a couple of older guys and like they're, it's really lovely working with them actually, because there's like this, experience of grief of like a part of themselves that is no longer there and a part of their like virility and veracity and, you know, sexual prowess of of a younger version of themselves, which they've kind of like accepted as firstly, like psychologically, not necessarily what they're into anymore. They're like, well, I don't really want to be this dominating, domineering, assertive, you know, macho guy who I was in my twenties or, you know, teens or whatever um like actually i'm looking for something a bit more tender and a bit more soft and and you know i want to explore this part of you know my intimacy because that's what i've been craving for such a long time but haven't actually admitted to it um but then there's also a part of themselves that's like physically you know speaking they're like well i'm not as young as i used to be you know i work with a couple of guys in their 60s and they're like yeah my you know one of them's had a prostatectomy for example and so like his experience of erections has changed his experience of ejaculation has changed because he doesn't ejaculate anymore because of you know having his prostate removed and so there's this like change in his body that he's like learning about at the age of you know in his late 60s and so like the beauty of being curious about your sexuality being curious about your physical experiences of pleasure and, and other sensations is that that's always going to be there there's always going to be new things there's always going to be changes there's always going to be shifts um pregnancy is a huge one you know my partner just mm-hmm. went through pregnancy um and you know now it's postpartum and like my body you know has changed because of that as well because of fluctuations in testosterone and things like this which happen you know within a a couple where there's a new baby involved so um yeah it's just like fascinating i think it's fascinating i think it's just like really interesting how bodies shift and change mm-hmm. and what you can pay attention to um so i find it really personally fulfilling and and i try and Uh, through my enthusiasm for that, try and get other people to pay attention to what they're feeling in their body um, over the course of their life.
0: Mm, That's a big part of of my work. It's all body-based. It's coming back home to yourself, like to your temple. And I really feel like, you know, curiosity really, I don't know, instills this playfulness. Like we were talking before about this, like this innocence, but this playfulness. And then that in turn, you know, comes pleasure and joy and bliss and the ecstasy and all of these other wonderful things too mm-hmm. and you mentioned about sensuality so i'm actually going through a phase now with my partner where we're not having penetrative sex like we've just had that conversation where it's we're just exploring what else there is because also in partnership and actually even solo play like you you can become so um like conditioned and you know where what turns you on and you know what doesn't so you just go in for the spots I call them junk food orgasms like a little quick clitoral orgasm that sometimes you know can be great or sometimes can feel like a little sneeze and it's just feels Mm. a bit like underwhelming but there's like your body is this portal to pleasure like you are full of aliveness and how can you explore that and and find that and instead of being scared just being open to receive it and you don't have to like dive into like kink and all these things and infestures straight away, like it can be really simple. Like I love when I'm just stroked, like just all over my body, just lying naked and just stroked really, really softly. And that allows me to come into my body. That allows me to soften. And then in turn I'm able to open up and then I'm able to receive. That's finding these like these new ways and also slowing down. Like that for me has been an absolute game changer you know if you want sex to last longer and also intimacy doesn't mean sex but if you want the intimate experience to last longer if you'd like sex to to last longer then then slow down mm. like it's that simple like how you kiss how you touch how you feel actually sex itself penetrative sex like slow it all down breathe and move and all of that becomes this deeply healing actually experience but also orgasmic experience in itself and you touched upon sensuality and you know we as human beings are sensual, sensuality sensual senses sense right that's who we are like and we have become so disconnected from our bodies that we have we have lost the ability to feel and we're so often grateful to see or to hear or to speak but are we actually grateful just for the simple but complex ability to feel. And I feel like that's our greatest gift as our human and our humanness has been taken away from us. So it's about coming back to that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I really love that. Actually. I really love this idea of like coming back to the sensation of touch. And it's actually a practice that I give to people when they're in their head is like, mm-hmm. if they're anxious about, you know, again, I, I echo this with regards to the work that I do with men. It's like if guys are, are stressed out about like, Oh, I'm going to come too quickly, or, or what if I don't get hard, or whatever it might be, if they get up in their head about whatever the experience is, I invite them to like stop, firstly, slow down, mm-hmm. and then focus on the sensation of pleasure in their fingertips. It's like if they're touching their partner, what do they notice in their fingertips as they, as they? caress their partner, right? they you know, I often ask them to like identify their favorite part of their partner's body and just like slowly, gently touch that part of their partner's body and like Mm -hmm. pay attention to the sensations in their fingertips. Um, And oftentimes what will happen is the, the practice of just like focusing on sensation and especially pleasure as well, it gets them out of their head into their feeling body. And usually they'll either, if they've lost their erection, they'll get their erection back. you know, if there's nothing else kind of going on physically speaking, uh, because they're focusing on pleasure, they're relaxed, they're enjoying themselves. Um, it feels good. And so the engorgement comes back. Um, and also by virtue of slowing down and and drawing their focus away from their genitals as well. And, and into their fingertips, they usually don't come quickly as well because they've slowed, they're relaxed. They're, you know, the, the sympathetic nervous system, right? The, the anxiety response is responsible for two sides of the same coin, erectile dysfunction and premature ejaculation. So, you know, we're hitting two birds with one stone by just slowing down, breathing, noticing what you're feeling in your fingers. Um, and it shifts the focus away from what you either are or aren't doing with your cock and, um, and allows you to focus on your partner's body as well. And it, and it kind of shifts the the attention onto, onto something else. So it's, I love that idea of just like focusing on the sensation of touch um, because we, we numb ourselves out to touch all the time. Right. We're mm. on our fucking phones or we're doing shit all the time, you know, touching our hands. Um And so I like to, to like really tune into the sensation of touch is a really beautiful practice. And Betty Martin was the one that got me onto um, the the sensation of touch with her will of consent and wake up your hands mm. practices. So that's a big shout out to Betty Martin and the work that she's doing because um, yeah. it was game changing for me.
0: Mm. I love that. It's so interesting you mentioned about like consent culture well consent and i'd love to like talk a little bit to that especially like as a man because there's so much i can say from like being a Volvo owner that there's been times in my life where i've not given consent but there's times where i have given consent verbally but actually on a physiological level i'm not ready and that i believe has caused trauma in my, my in my own body and i feel like at the moment there's this really big shift in consent but i i guess what i'd love to know is how consent has like affected you like growing up and being a man especially in relation sexual relation to others
1: yeah so consent was never really something that was talked about um, when I was getting sex ed as a teen, um, or even really like, I don't remember explicit conversations about consent. Um, you know, when I took human sexuality classes in university, like what, like, it's only really been if if I you know put my observation goggles on um, and look at like the sexuality education space in the last like I would say five five to ten maybe years that it's been like really emphasized like. I don't remember it. Um, maybe it was there, but it definitely wasn't like explicitly talked about. Um, so my like relationship with consent um, as a as a teen, um, yeah, is a hard one to to reflect on. Like I um I remember having just to like speak back into Betty's Betty Martin's work. I remember going to this workshop that she was hosting um, and having this experience, uh, which. Like was really profound for me personally. So I the the to set the kind of context for this, the, the practice was um you're partnered up and you do a um you ask your partner like, Hey, can I do this to your body essentially? Um, and they either say, Yep, yeah, you could do that, that's totally fine, or no, that's my boundary. Um, can you ask for something else? And so I'd asked for um the partner that I was with to um I actually asked if I could just hold them. I said, can I just hug you? Can I like, you know, embrace you and just kind of hold you. And, um, the, one of the facilitators came around. So not Betty, but one of her, one of her facilitators came around and checked in on us as a, as a pairing. And, um, they asked, who is this for? As if like we were doing the, exercise wrong and i I know they didn't mean to shame or anything but i felt shame arise in that moment as if like oh it's something's wrong with me or something's weird for me to ask to hold my partner who's a woman in this particular way and it brought up this flood of feelings from my from my past of like there have been times where that's what i've wanted to do with a partner is to just hold them and to to hug them and to touch them and be sensual with them and not be sexual, not be explicitly like penetrative and like be sexual in a way that we, you know, stereotypically consider sex to look like. But I have ignored that because that's not what men do. Men are sexual and men do want to have sex and men go for penetration and, sounds so terrible to say, but I've definitely thought this. Every hole is a goal mentality, Mm. right? Of like, that's what guys do. They escalate and they pursue and they're the sexual aggressors and, and, you know, whatever. All that old paradigm shit about what it means to be a sexual man. And so like, there's been times where I've crossed my own boundary and gone like, this isn't, this is actually what I want to do, but I'm going to do it anyway. Because that's what's expected of me. Or that's what I thought was expected of me as a man. And so i'm like if i have done that to myself and not checked in and not listened to how i've felt then i have definitely crossed another person's boundary I've, def- I've definitely crossed a you know a young woman's boundaries who hasn't felt comfortable enough to speak up about it and so there was like a big reckoning for me this was probably about 4 years ago um that i was like holy shit like i've not been listening to well you know i thought i had but i you know obviously hadn't been listening to how i'd been feeling about these sexual experiences Um, and so if I had not listened to myself then by virtue of that I there would have been times that I've not listened to you know a young woman's um, body even though she'd said yes maybe I wasn't paying attention to how she physically felt Um, and so that was like a big emotional experience for me and I I just burst out crying in this um, workshop space um, and so that's like my relationship with consent. That's like the major
0: mm-hmm.
1: realization that I personally had was like um, from that workshop and, and um, realizing that, yeah, that all these stories of like what I should be doing sexually and should be explicitly touching and, you know, moving forward and ex- escalating things or stuff that I had done because that's, it was just like autopilot. That's what you do as a guy. And so, yeah, I, I had this realization that fuck, I've probably fucked up, you know, in, you know, in, and not asked, you know, and, and just assumed. Um, and that, yeah, really is, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if the, I don't know what the word is to describe. It. Like I feel shame about it, but it's also like, I'm trying to do a lot of work on it. Um, and I try and speak about it a lot. And so like, yeah, I don't know, it's big.
0: Thank you so much for sharing that and being so open and vulnerable. I definitely resonate from doing like my own work and with consent with like my own body and something that I I always encourage everyone to do is to like check in with yourself regularly. So even if it's like eating a food or what you want to wear or like these really simple, these simple day-to-day things where you can be like checking in with your body and actually is... Is that what I is that what I want? Kind of thing. And also being entered as, as a woman, especially like internally, I'd noticed that actually I had been overstepping my own boundaries from inserting tampons, moon cups, fingers, pleasure toys, and of course, in penetration with a partner, I had overridden my own boundary and my own no so many times and like you there was just so much shame around that oh my goodness and this deep sadness like deep Mm. deep sadness but you don't know what you don't know and in that moment it's it's hard and it's painful but actually it gets to be so liberating because then you you know your boundaries and you get to start to embody your empowered yes and your authentic no And I think once you start to, you know, boundaries start with yourself. So once you start to understand that, again, why exploring your own body is so important, because then yes, you get to find out what feels pleasurable, but you also get to find out what you don't like. And that is just as important, if not more important. And I feel like in even in you know, from from sexuality and friendships in my business, I usually I tend to have found out what I what I like by finding out what I don't like first, like first Mm. and foremost. So yes, of course, sexuality gets to be this beautiful playground of pleasure. But also, there's so much in between, that's also equally actually maybe not as pleasurable, but equally beautiful and it gets to be this self-discovery like sex for pleasure is great right but sex to be an embodied experience of self-discovery of authenticity of connection and intimacy is fucking incredible Mm. and i that's what i deeply desire for everybody
1: (laughs) yeah i love i love that and i echo that and um you know, and that can, that can be pleasurable. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. there's, um, there's, there's so much pleasure, um, and joy from that. And, um, I don't know how much time we have, but there was another, another story as we're talking about consent that I was like, oh, this feels pretty relevant to share. Um, is, uh, so this is, uh, a, a story of, of, um, sexual assault. So just, mm-hmm. uh, content warning for people that are listening. Um, so there was a uh, instance when I was um, intoxicated, you know, I, I shared before that um, for about a period of four years, every sexual experience I had was under the influence. Um, and so I used to drink to excess uh, where uh, I would pass out. And um, there was one night where a young woman who I'd been, um, flirting on and off with for a couple of days, I suppose, um, came into my room when I was passed out and, um, like proceeded to have oral sex with me. And, and, um, from, again, I don't remember this is all, uh, relayed back to me from friends who, uh, filmed it, um, intercourse with me as well. Um, and, You know, at, at the time, and so this is like, the reason I bring this up is because my framing of it has shifted as I've learned more about my experiences of, and my boundaries and and things like this as well. It's like, at the time it was framed very positively by myself and my friends of like, essentially like I was, I was celebrated and congratulated by my friends. um, Because they were like, look at you, you can still get laid, even though you're passed out. That was kind of like how it was framed. Um, so I was getting high fives and pats on the back and it was something that was good. Um, and over the years, as I've, you know, I, I shared about the, the experience I had with Betty's workshop and, and other experiences as well. And as I've stopped drinking as well, um, that's also been something that's, that's helped me kind of come to this realization that like, that was, excuse me, that was an experience of, um, assault, right. And so, um. And so like that has been, but like part of me is still like, it's not even that bad. Like that's, a, it's still like something that I haven't fully processed. Cause part of me is like sharing this story out loud. There's a voice in the back of my head. That's like, why are you even talking about this? What's the, po-? like, it just doesn't, I don't feel trauma by it, you know, that's like my mind. Um, but I know, I know it's in my body cause I feel it now in my body, like mm. some constriction in my chest talking about this. So, um, so yeah, there's, there's that experience. And, and like, you know, I did a, I did a social media post about this a while ago, um, because like automatically I want to compare, you know, I want to, I want to compare my experience to uh, woman's experience. Right. And I've I listened to a lot of women, um, you know, talk about their experiences and, and who have been really vulnerable and open about sharing them. Um, And so immediately I I want to minimize my experience and I'm like, it's not as bad as someone else's experience. And so, and I know that's a response to just like stories that I have about being a man and masculinity and stuff that I'm always trying to undo and unravel. Um, But whenever I share that experience in men's circles, I'm always surprised by how many guys share a similar experience and are like, my mates just thought it was funny or my mates just said it was a good thing. And, and they say something similar, which is like, I still don't think it's that bad. I still don't think it's, there's anything like really wrong with it. Um, and so it brings up a weird like kind of conversation where we, there is this acknowledgement of like, that was a kind of violation of your boundaries, but you know, and, and you didn't consent to that and you arguably couldn't consent to it. And so like, but you like, you don't know what you don't know, right? Like at the time I was like, I didn't really have a relationship with consent. So I was like, that d- doesn't really mean anything. But then when I realized like, oh well, here's what consent kind of is and what my relationship with is, is like, oh, all this stuff retroactively is now shifted for me. Um, and I have a different relationship with. So yeah, so that that's something I'm still, you know, I still am hesitant to share it, but I, I do share it as, you know, relevantly as possible. Um, because yeah, it's it's a it, it's an experience that happened, and it's still something that I'm probably struggling to to process on a on a somatic level. There's still stuff there as I as I share as you know, as I was saying before. So um, yeah, it still pops up for me, and that was
0: almost ten years ago. Mm, thank you for sharing. I really appreciate that, and I feel like these yeah, no this problem. is why you, like these conversations are so important because it's these these issues and these situations and the societal conditioning and these constructs and all of these things are alive for all genders. Like everyone, it happens to absolutely everybody. So this is why it's so important to start to normalize talking about it and understanding. I mean, for me, obviously I, I said previously I had um, sexual assault on two separate occasions, but the second occasion, Actually, it was when I was very intoxicated and it was actually two men at the same time who put me in positions where I didn't know who was there or or what was happening. And I couldn't remember for a long, long time. And then they joked about it after when I saw them and I had no idea until literally, I'd say two years ago, my body had completely shut it down and numbed it out and and kept it suppressed and thinking, oh, well, it wasn't that bad. Oh, it was my fault because I was drunk. That's a really classic one f- for me and that I've seen a lot of times. Oh, well, I was intoxicated. Mm, well, that, yeah, but you didn't consent to it. So it's, yeah, it's a very blurry line. And I feel like boundaries are also, as a we, always changing. So what I would consent to, you know, a couple of months ago even to what I would consent to now is, is completely different. And that's not just in... You know, sexuality, I I see time and time again, actually, people crossing my boundaries in social situations, especially on social media. Mm -hmm. And when people come into your DMs and they just ask you questions or they just try and sell to you, you haven't asked me my consent. And that for me is a violation of my boundaries. Like even for example, when I messaged you about coming on, I was like, hey Cam, I have an invitation, like a question. Like, would you mind if I if I send it over to you? And it can be as simple as that. And I'm not sure why it is, but potentially it's the the fear of rejection. Perhaps that's like a big part to play. Like if you don't ask, then you haven't asked, yeah, therefore you, you can't you don't be rejected. give yourself an
1: opportunity. Yeah, yeah, I get you. Yeah, yeah?
0: I don't know. But I, I see it a lot. And I, I feel like this is a time where we all need to check in with ourselves and our boundaries. Like all of this work, it just starts to ripple out into every other area of your life. But when you have them, it's a fucking game changer. Like an absolute mm. game changer. And you trust yourself, right? Like I trust And I'm able to open myself up to deeper experiences sexually and other because I trust myself because I know I've got me so the moment it doesn't feel good in my body that's it I'm out so it's starting to find to find that space to allow yourself giving yourself that permission slip to say no and to honor that Mm
1: -hmm. yeah and 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 your partner or people start to trust you more yeah. as well, because they know that you will say yes to something because you want to do it, mm. because it's a yes to you, not because you say yes to everything, right? Or mm. vice versa. If it's a no, they're like, oh, it's a no, because they literally, you know, mm. they know that it's a no. Um, mm. And it's not, you know, a vindictive or spiteful. no. Um, maybe it is, but you know, there, there's, mm. there's more trust in boundaries and parameters. I found when you start to like really, on a yeses and noes mm.
0: for yourself,
1: um, it creates a lot more trust w- within a partnership and within like a, mm. a sexual container or an erotic container for sure. Um, yeah, and something I'm always I always ask my clients is, um, and I, again I work explicitly with um, cis het men. I mm. always ask, "Have you ever said no to sex?" And um, very very rarely do I get a guy I say, "Yeah, I've said no." They often go, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> there's mm-hmm. like a, I am supposed to say yes to sex. Like there's an expectation that if sex is on the table, they will say yes to it. Um, and so there's a, there's a, yeah, some deeper conversations there that I have with them. But it's a interesting question to mm-hmm. pose to to men because their their response to it can tell you a lot about their their stories around sex and masculinity for sure.
0: Mm-hmm and someone who you know cares about you um or loves you will completely honor and respect your boundaries and if somebody reacts to them in a way that that doesn't that says enough like that speaks for itself
1: yeah (laughs) Um, yeah
0: and i always say like consent is fucking sexy like consent is fucking sexy like i Mm. it's it's even now with my partner we've been together for three years he still asked me consent like every time we're intimate for everything and it's you know no is a whole sentence it's a complete sentence and yes means yes in that moment but it can change and it maybe mm. means like well perhaps there's room for you know, for, for playfulness or for, for something a little bit different, but you get to change your mind. And just because you said yes to something, just because you said no to something doesn't mean that you can't change that and creating this space of, of communication. Another big thing is the communication mm. that you have and asking a partner, like, Hey baby, you know, I think scheduled sex is so fucking underrated. Like, <laughs> yep. I love it. Like my, so my, like I. My, another big thing is is sexual seasons. I've been going through like a lot of deep healing in the last six months, so my libido has been a lot lower than normal. So actually, when I'm like, okay, I've got spaciousness there. Hey, can we schedule it in maybe that evening? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, great. And then we know. And also, your nervous system, because you are expecting it, you can then feel. This, this groundedness, this safety in your body because you are aware it's going to happen I've had times where my pa- I said to my partner hey I always feel like I usually um you know initiate sex so the next day he was like, oh hey can you help me in the bedroom with something So I went into the bedroom and he'd put the mirror out the toys were all over the bed there was candles everywhere it was amazing but I my whole body, Went into this freeze response because I wasn't used to it, and I had. And mm. that's when, like I just mentioned before, about the the touching of my body, you know, really, really slowly and softly to bring me back into regulation to create that intimacy is is really beautiful. Creating those spaces. Mm. I feel like Thank I have you for a sharing. Tangent. No, there, was,
1: there I was. I was mentally flagging things that I was like, oh, I'd love to speak into that, and I'd love to speak into that. There was so many beautiful insights there. I love this idea of, um, like, no being a full sentence, and I mm-hmm. I hundred percent agree with you. Unfortunately, though, I think a lot of couples that aren't familiar with like voicing boundaries, no, can be very hard to hear, mm-hmm. uh, and it can can create tension uh, and mm-hmm. can create like and you know a lot of people take no's very personally um and so like one of the one of the suggestions that i have to to couples is um no but and so that it softens the no Mm -hmm. um it's still a no right but it's like uh no but how about we set aside some time on thursday night to be sexual Mm -hmm. together right or uh no uh how about we uh you know, use our toys and fingers instead of, you know, having penetrative sex tonight. So um, so like it's still honoring the no, mm-hmm. but it offers an alternative so that there is still connection there. Cause oftentimes when people maybe aren't very good at communicating, that no can be like, oh, that means everything's off the table. And when that might not actually be the case, it might just be like, a, oh no, I'm not into that right now, but I'm also into all this stuff. I We could get into that um, if that is the case. Uh, but if that's not communicated, then a partner might go, "Oh, well, then they don't want anything to do with me right now." Um, mm. And so, like, there's so just that's just a suggestion, I suppose. Is like I wanted to to throw it in there. It can be a, it can be a way to to, um, as we were saying before, take something off the table and give you an invitation to see what else is on the table. Um, one of those knows can 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 uh, allow for that. Um, yeah there's other things in there but i just that was i felt like the most relevant thing to throw in
0: Mm, yeah no i love that and i feel that communication can be really difficult um first of all obviously if you're not you don't have that relationship and that connection to your body but also when you come into partnership with somebody like you are bringing all of your stuff and you're shining a light on all of their shadows and, like I say, sexual shadows are like opinions. Everybody's got one. <laughs> so if you start to if you start to say no or you know, enforce these boundaries and things like that, it, it can bring up a lot. But that's why the communication in in a really soft and gentle way, like sex sometimes can be feel like it's really intense. and it has to be this big climactic experience where actually, it can just be lying naked together, touching one another. It can be as simple as that.
1: <laughs> Broadening your definition of sex. I, I 100% agree with you, broaden your definition of sex. Um, I have this like analogy that I use, which for the life of me, I can't remember who shared it with me, so I can't credit them. But the idea is the erotic menu, just adding things to your erotic menu. So when you're, when you're hungry, you choose from a menu what dish you wanna eat When you're horny, you choose from your erotic menu what quote-unquote dish you wanna eat. And for a lot of couples, there's only one dish on their erotic menu and that's penetrative sex. Uh, But adding things to your erotic menu with your partner so that there's other things, other dishes for you to eat um, you know, to satisfy that quote-unquote hunger can be really helpful. Um, And I've had clients make their own literal menus. They take photos of one another and they find (laughs) Photos from the internet, and they make a collage kind of thing of their erotic menu, and it can be a really fantastic activity. But it could also be just a mental activity as well. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, just broadening your experience and definition can be yeah, a game changer for sure.
0: And bringing that playfulness back into it, this innocence yes, and this playfulness. Yeah, hundred mm-hmm. yeah. percent i was wondering i know that you um collab with love honey and obviously they have like the most beautiful array of toys so for those um in partnerships or with lovers or playmates what would be your go-to pleasure toy
1: uh, actually I actually have all my toys literally just here. I don't know if you can
0: <laughs> see where I'm
1: pointing, but um, I set them all up uh, as a little backdrop for some videos I was doing. Uh, but I, I highly recommend a wand. So a wand vibrator is uh, amazing. Uh, the reason why I suggest a wand vibrator is because it can be used on any type of genitals. You know, oftentimes it's it's um, marketed or framed as uh, a vibrator for like, the clitoris or for people that have a vulva uh, but it's can be just as easily used on someone who's got a penis Uh, but like on the perineum that space in between the genitals and the anus or on the nipples or on literally any part of your body they were originally you know marketed as body massages you know before Mm -hmm. betty dodson uh realize that you can get a pretty good you know clitoral orgasm out of one and so um so they're fantastic they're they're really great and you know you can stick them between genitals as well so if you're pressing up you can both press up against mm. it if you've got a wand they're just fantastic and um yeah that would be my my suggestion so that mm. they come in small ones as well if they like the bigger toys like really are intimidating and threatening you know to you or your partner you can get mm. little small ones and they're really versatile and they move in and the, the head moves around, and bigger ones you can plug straight into the mains power so you don't have to worry about batteries running out or charge you know running out and you can really crank the the wattage up and they like rumble you know your entire body it's like sitting on a you know washing machine so, so they so they come in a whole bunch of different shapes and sizes they're fantastic and there's appendages you can stick onto them yeah it's just yeah a big fan of of the ones
0: mm, thank you very much No worries. so for the most important question yet, Pam Fraser, are you ready to play undressed quick fire round of Would You Rather? I'm ready. <laughs> okay, three, two, one. Solo or mutual masturbation? Mutual. Do you prefer pension sex or oral sex? Oral. Kissing after oral sex, hot or not? Hot sex at home or in nature nature sex on or off during sex (laughs) (laughs) on sex on uh, socks on or off during um solo play oh on Mm. hmm shaven or au natural
1: um is there a middle ground somewhere like trimmed
0: okay you're the second person to say that, so maybe I have to bring that in as a third option. Oh, like a little <laughs> sneaky
1: third option. Nice.
0: Yeah, it's a trick question. <laughs> sex in the shower or the kitchen? The kitchen. Cheeky finger on the bum or being spanked?
1: Oh, it's got to be the finger.
0: Would you prefer to give or receive oral sex? Give. Porn or imagination?
1: Oh, Imagination.
0: Quickie or slow sex? Slow. You only get one forever. Love without good sex, or good sex without love.
1: Oh, oh, love without (laughs) good sex.
0: (laughs) And last of all, what is your biggest turn on?
1: Oh, um, for me, it is um, uh, oil massage. I love giving slash receiving like a warm oil massage head to toe full body it's yeah it drives me wild
0: love that Cam. thank you so much it's been such a pleasure to have you here where can everybody find you come hang out where are you at
1: yeah well thank you for inviting me on And, and people can find me on social media i'm at the cam fraser on all social media platforms um my guarantee is that you'll learn something new. I try to be as educational as possible on social media. So if you jump onto my Instagram, for example, I guarantee you'll learn something. Um, The other way you can find me is on my website, which is cam-fraser.com. I've got a couple of programs on there, men, women, um, all of the above. Um, And I've also got a podcast, which is the Men, Sex and Pleasure podcast. Uh, And so, yeah, if you're interested, reach out. I'm happy to answer questions and just, talk to people online. Um, Maybe ask for consent before you send me a huge (laughs) message. Um, I'm always happy to to receive, you know, questions, but yeah, make sure to check in with me first.
0: Mm, I can definitely vouch for the fact that your Instagram is fucking amazing. I love it. Like it's so educational. I think I said to you before, like it's real, it's raw, it's honest and I love it. So absolutely go and check him out. Cam, again, thank you. And I'll see you soon. See you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Undressed with me, Katie Moore. If you have enjoyed it as much as we did, then let me know on Instagram at I am Katie Moore. Feel free to like, comment, share, give us a cheeky little follow if you fancy it, <laughs> and if you would like to work together, then email me at info at Until next time.